Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It's great to see all of you in this new year. Uh, how many of you were able to get together with extended family beyond the people that already live in your household over the holidays? Did you get to do that? Yeah. I hope it was a good experience for you. Most of the time it is. Uh, we got to do that uh, the day after Christmas, all 28 of us, I think, 27, 28 of us, something like that. And um, it's always such a joy to uh, have family there, have grandkids there. Yeah. Grand, you know, I didn't know this about grandkids, but it's one of the reasons I really appreciate them is they think I'm cool. They think grandpa's cool stuff, you know, they get to see you and they're excited and talk and they give me hugs and there's, you know, different characters, right? There's a couple of them that will walk by and, and, and pat my tummy and look up at me and smile and then just walk away. And, uh, but I also noticed that how wonderfully, how, how wonderful it is when the house is quiet again, yeah. right? And I love having them there, but when they're gone, then the quietness is nice too. Uh, so I got together with my father, who is uh, in a, a VA hospital in Bedford, Mass, on, uh, both on Christmas Day and on New Year's Day. So on New Year's Day, I was sitting down talking to him, a number of things, and I said, hey, Dad, this Sunday, my sermon, I'm going to preach through the whole Bible. And he usually kind of sits there and talks, and he went, how are you going to do that? <laughs> and then I told him, I'm not telling you yet, <laughs> but we are going to uh, look at the, the Bible from beginning to end today. Uh, and today, has, I mean, this, this year has the potential to be the best year that you've ever had in your relationship with God. The best you've ever experienced with God using you, working in your life, showing himself strong on your behalf as you faithfully serve him. And so uh, even though in some sense it's just another day, right? God has these periods in the calendar that enables from time to time to sit, wait, I can start anew, right? I can start where I'm at and build. And we have that every week too, don't we? You think about it. That's why we come around every week. For the Jewish people, it was the Sabbath. For us, it's on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, where every week we have the opportunity to come and say, okay, where have I, where have I been? Where am I coming from? Where am I going? How do I get there? God, what do you want? Right? And so it's just, I think these things, like what we're doing here today, is more significant than we realize. More significant from God's perspective than we as human beings might understand. So let's pray. Father, thank you again that we can uh, worship you like we have today. And Lord, the encouragement that the music is and the encouragement is to see each other and the fellowship that we have. And I pray now, Father, that as you uh, speak to us from your word today, the things that you've put on, on my heart to, to share from your word today, that we would open our hearts and minds to you and hear from you. That you would speak to us those things that we as a church, but also as individuals, need to hear today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take your Bible and turn to Genesis 1. I mean, I probably wouldn't have to have you turn there. I bet you know what the first verse of the Bible is. 
most of you. Genesis 1.1. If you're using the Bible that's under the chairs there, it's page number. What do you think? One. That's right. Page number one. So, it says, in, in fact, why don't you read it with me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it continues and tells us the story of that. Uh, the verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering, hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, you know, let there be light. And then this, this whole creation process uh, continues to where we end up with the earth as we know it. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to hold off on the revelation part. We'll get there, okay? Uh, but the very first time in the Word of God that He reveals Himself in some way or another, what role does He reveal Himself in? Creator, that's right. He is the Creator. That's the very first way that He introduces Himself in His Word. In the beginning, God, I mean, He's ex existing already. That's what He's like in God, but He is Creator. And He's Creator from beginning to end, as we will see in His Word here today. Now, um, we see here in this passage that God the Father is involved in creation there. The Holy Spirit is involved in creation. And in the New Testament, in, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he tells us the Son of God was also involved in creation. So it's for by Him, and it's talking about Jesus, the Son of God, for by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. All things were created through Him and for Him, and in Him all things consist, that in all things He might have the preeminence, okay? That Lord Jesus Christ uh, would be above all. Uh, that eventually, that at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, what, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So he is to have the preeminence. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God himself, the triune God, created all that exists. Uh, not just our earth, but everything we can see in the universe beyond us. Uh, pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, the fact that he is creator implies certain things. All right, so let's, let's talk about it. We've got three, three words uh, that uh, him being creator implies. And the first one is ownership, right? If he's the one who created it, he's the one who what? Owns it. And, and I think if you created something in your life, right, you created something, it would be yours, wouldn't it? Okay. Well, that's the way it is. I mean, it's, it, that means that anything I have or anything that you have, in essence, is on loan to us, isn't it? God is allowing us to have it, to use it. So ownership. Uh, Psalm uh, 89 verse 11 says, talking to God, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all its fullness, you have founded them. You made them. Okay? And, and so all the stuff that we can see and touch and do things with uh, and observe, he made them. They belong to him. Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord and all its fullness, the world and what? Those who dwell therein. So not only does the creation, all the stuff belong to him, but what? All the us's <laughs> belong to him as well. We belong to him, the people, okay? And so 
uh, this idea of ownership. And if you are the owner, you get to decide what? What you do with things. What, you know, what are we going to do with this? How are we going to use it? He is the owner. And, and by the way, if, if you can start to, these, these three implications of him being creator, if you can let these settle down into your soul, it's really going to change how you look at your life. Going to change how you look at the decisions that you have to make. Okay, so these are important. All right. So first word is ownership. The second word is design. Design. Uh, this means that God designed everything the way it is. Now, let me just take a step back from that and say that sin came into the world through a monkey wrench and a lot of stuff. How things work, but nonetheless, the grand design. Anybody here besides me like to read science written for laymen? Isn't it amazing, Kurt? Kurt and I have talked about a bunch of this kind of stuff and, and how God put things together on the level that we can't even fathom, you know, until the last less than 100 years that we have been able to actually look inside the cell and see the tiniest components that when you take pictures of them look like machines. And, of course, they just happened by accident, right? No, they didn't, right? There's a designer. He knows how everything works. He knows. This is why when the Word of God gives us a principle to live by, we do well to pay attention, don't we? Because the designer who knows how everything works gave us that principle, didn't he? I mean, a huge one. Uh, don't be deceived. What you sow, you will reap, right? It's a principle, and we see that throughout creation, and then we experience it in our own lives. And so we ought to say, if the designer, he knows. He knows better than me. He knows the ins and the outs. Uh, uh, Travis over here, we were talking this morning, he, he is, uh, fixes nice cars, right? Uh, and if I have a problem with my car, I can take my wrenches out and go put the hood up and go to work and break a lot of stuff, right? Because <laughs> I don't understand how it's all. Yeah, right, right, Stephen, same thing, right? He's, he's doing that too. So, um, but someone who knows how it's designed, you know how it's designed to work, right? It's supposed to work this way, and so we, we can see what's wrong and fix it. So it is in our lives. God has designed us, and where we're going to find us in His Word, we're going to learn this design and, and the implications of design. You know, there's so many things about um, design uh, in our lives. I'm just trying to think. You know, and it would settle issues in people's minds and hearts, even in a culture that would accept God as creator. If a culture does not accept God as creator, they end up rejecting his design. And we start saying things like, well, what makes a man a man? And what makes a woman a woman? And, and that's up for grabs somehow. You understand what I'm talking about, right? But if there's a designer who in the beginning made them male and female and made them that way to reveal himself, to reveal his image, his glorious image to a whole world, he, made, he designed them that way. All right, and so in all of our lives, we can go through and look and say, how has God designed us? Design implies certain things, that he knows all things. Not only does he know all things about the creation in which we function, he also knows everything about us. 
fact, Psalm 139, talking to God, says, you formed me in my mother's womb. Now, I've taken what God's formed and kind of did my own modifications. <laughs> and that's not always good, right? But my basic makeup, my, my nature, so for me, I am curious. I, am, uh, I like to understand things. I like to analyze them, see how it's put together. Not so much physical things, but ideas, concepts, things, right? And God uses that. Like, that's who I am. He designed me that way. And so that's what I do with you guys, right? Every Sunday. And so what, how has God signed you? And sometimes you're tending to say, yeah, well, he, didn't, he made a mess of me. But the reality is he didn't. There's something about you that reflects the image of God in a way that nobody else does. This is not self-esteem gobbledygook. Do you know what I mean? Well, you need to think more highly of yourself. Yeah, well, we don't do, we, we usually end up in bad places when we try to do that. Uh, we either say, no, I'm not, or boy, I'm more than I am. But when we say, wait a minute, God made me to show his image. God, the God of the universe. He's made me with certain basic things about me that, and not the sin, that's the problems, right? But something about me, how he's made me. He wants to show himself to the world through me somehow, some way, and he can and he will. And that's one of the reasons we need to get together and encourage each other because you know what? The people around you may see that better than you do. Right? Okay? Uh, so we need to, to take into account God's design. Something else this tells us, this whole idea of design. Uh, in our, our uh, medical uh, the world today, the medicine stuff, even with my dad and what's going on with him, what we find is that there are lots of prescriptions that get used off-label. Now, you familiar with what that means? In other words, what this drug was originally approved for by the FDA was to treat these certain things, you know, recognizing these certain side effects and things. But what they find is sometimes this drug also does this that might be positive. And so they take drugs and use them off-label. And sometimes that's very helpful to some people, okay? Uh, but when we're talking about the God who designed the creation, there is no such thing as off-label. There are no safe or effective off-label uh, uses for the designer's creation. And don't we as human beings often want to go off-label and use things that God has entrusted to us for things that aren't his purposes and plans? Yeah, and, and we get ourselves in big trouble uh, because of it, in trouble in life. So God is the designer. He owns creation. He is the designer of creation. He knows the absolute best way for it to work, and we would do well to heed that. The third word is purpose. What's the purpose of the universe? What's the purpose of my seemingly small part of the universe um, Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon says that people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. In other words, God is doing things that are bigger than we know, isn't he? Doing things that are way bigger than we know. Uh, and so, but the reality is, is that we know enough. Oh, God's doing these great plans. I can't know them. Oh, well. Oh, no, but he's showing you what he wants you to do in those things. 
You were part of that. In fact, I would say to you, you know, we got to be careful. You know, when we start looking at, at my role, your role, somebody else's role, or what God has us to do, it's easy for us to say, well, this is very significant. That's not as that's not significant at all. But wait a minute. If the creator has this part do this, and this part do this, and this part do that, are any of them insignificant? God does not waste his time. I waste mine. Sadly, God never wastes his. And so whatever role you have is very significant in God's purposes in our world. And so when we understand that God is doing this big work, he has a purpose, he's trying to accomplish, or trying. God doesn't try to do anything. God is accomplishing his purposes. Psalm 95, it tells us this, so our response ought to be this, oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our, what? Our maker, our creator. We ought to kneel ourselves before him, bow down before him, worship him, give him that role in our lives where he calls the shot. Now, one of the things when God created human beings, he created human beings with the freedom to not respond properly to the creator. Okay, and I believe he did this because he, he desires for mankind, men and women, to have a free choice to choose to love him or not, to choose to trust him or not. To choose to have a relationship. You know, have you seen any of these, uh, you know, inventions, advertisements where they're getting these robots that people can now get and walk around the house, you know, and come up and talk to you and make you feel better about yourself and here you have a companion and... Does that robot love you? No, that robot does what? It follows a bunch of, of zeros and ones in a program and makes, it's just, it doesn't mean anything. God did not make robots. He made people who could actually choose to respond to him, choose to trust him, choose to love him, choose to display his image in their life and let people see uh, Christ through him. So that is how, so God made us with this freedom to choose. And we know if we go back to the story right in the very beginning, the Genesis 1, Genesis 2, we see specifics about the creation of Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, we see Adam as our first representative choosing not to let the Creator have his proper role in his life. Sin came into the world, death by all the problems that we experience today. And I really do believe that if I had been there, I would have done things the same way. Really, I think that that's, that's the story that we learn. And, and as a result, we need to be redeemed. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But because man has this freedom to choose, that often people do not respond properly to God as creator. All right? and, and they choose instead to, to ignore him or to deny him or replace him somehow. So let's just take a quick look as we're working our way through the scripture here of, of how, what happens in these situations. Psalm chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 says, For the wicked, that's the person who doesn't have a relationship with God, doing their own thing. For the wicked renounces the Lord. In his proud countenance does not seek God. And here's what we want to see. God is in none of his thoughts. 
In other words, as this person goes through this, his, his or her day, it's, there's no thought about who God is. There's no thought about how, you know, what's my responsibility before God. There's no thought of how do I honor him. There's no thought to what would he want me to do in this situation. None. Just going through life, doing her own thing. Looking at the world the way they want to. Making decisions, right? Okay. And so this is this choice to ignore God. Now, of all the three, ignore, deny, and replace, especially as we're going to see it in the scriptures here, I think that this one is the one where we can have the most susceptibility as Christians. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if, if you have received Christ as Savior, you're forgiven, you've been made holy in God's eyes, righteous, uh, you are not the wicked. Okay, this is not you. But in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, okay, since you're not unsaved, don't live like you're unsaved. Right? Did I, was that clear? What I mean? Okay. So don't live, Christians can live like they're unsaved. And I would say to you that, that this prescription, not a pres if you live this way, this is a prescription for what I would call practical atheism. And no Christian would say, oh, I don't believe in God. No Christians believe in God. But as you walk through your life not thinking about God, he's not in your thoughts. You're doing your own thing. You're handling this the way you think. And God is not in the majority of your thoughts. I mean, aren't you living like an atheist? Right? For all practical purposes? You guys are looking at me like, you don't know if you want to say that. But it's true, right? So this is something we want to think about. We don't want to be this. We don't want to be like any of these we're going to look at. But uh, we ought not ignore. But so humans have responded to God often by ignoring him. Psalm 14 uh, talks about denying the Lord. It says, the fool has said in his heart, what? There is no God. This is a person who denies that there is a creator. Uh, he doesn't, there's no such thing. And how does God describe this person? As a fool. The fool is, you have to be, it sounds terrible, we'll see more when we get into Romans. But you have to be foolish to say there is no creator. It is a foolish thing to, and, and by the way, extremely intelligent people can be foolish. Christians can act foolish. Right? So, um, but the fool has said in his heart, and I think it's instructive to us here, it says, the fool has said in his brain. Doesn't say that, what? What's it say? Heart. And this is so important because you see, it's, it's not just an intellectual thing. That, that's why, I mean, someone can be extremely intelligent and still deny, uh, it's hard for me to understand, but to deny the existence of God, it's because it's coming from a foolish heart. A heart that doesn't want there to be a God. Um, so it's not an intellectual issue. I mean, in, intellectual is part of the issue. I'm not downplaying it, but it's not the defining issue. Because you can have someone intellectually who says, I'm having a hard time understanding God and what that, how that works. And I, I don't know about that. But that person doesn't deny his existence. Right? There's someone who's on the way. Someone who, you know, can be open and respond. So the fool says in his heart, there is no God. All right, so let's go now to Romans chapter 1.
we're going to see that uh, we've seen those who uh, ignore God, and we see those who would deny God. In Romans chapter 1, we see the idea of we're trying to replace God. Romans chapter 1, and, and the passage we're going to read here is um, really a description, I think, of uh, a culture or society that rejects God as creator and what the consequences of that are. So Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, again, it, we're going to see here, it isn't that the truth cannot be known, it's that we choose we don't want to know it. <laughs> Has there ever been a, a time when you said, I don't know if I really want to know the truth about something? Anybody? Let me ask you this, how many of you guys have said, I don't need to go to the doctor? Why? You don't want to go to the doctor. You go to the doctor, what's he going to tell you? Something you don't want to hear. Truth, okay? And so, um, but this is what people do with God as well. I don't want to know this. I don't want to deal with this. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. And it was that God has revealed it in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, so it wasn't a matter of they couldn't know that he was there and existed, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their what kind of hearts? Foolish hearts was darkened. See, this is where we see, we go back to, you know, the fool says these things in his heart. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. Um, and let's continue. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So this goes back to the idea of idolatry. And we see that throughout history, people and places and, <clears throat> have worshipped things that are created, haven't they? They worship a huge, storm, a huge stone formation. They, they worship some object that they have made themselves or that somebody else uh, handed to them. They worship certain animals. There are places in the world today where they let animals run roughshod over people because that animal is, you know, to be worshipped. The more intelligent the culture, the more likely they are to worship what? Corruptible man. You see that? Wouldn't you say in our culture that that's a lot of what gets worshipped? We get worshipped? We worship ourselves. We worship the idea of some noble man and, and, you know, that we can become and be. But God says, no, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into these things, which are all created. Verse 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. It, it, you know, if you're going to believe that, you get what goes with it. And the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And here's the key, verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the, the creature, and we could say serve the created thing or the created being, serve the creature rather than 
the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so it goes on, then it talks about all the things that you experience in a culture that rejects the Creator. And thankfully in our culture, there are still many people who, we wouldn't even call them Bible-believing Christians, they may not know the Lord, but we still have a bunch of people who have not rejected the idea that there's a Creator. Boy, that, that saves us a lot. But you understand how many problems we have in our culture today because so many people have rejected the Creator? Tried to replace Him with something else? With themselves? With science? With whatever? And, and we are reaping the problem. I'm amazed in our country. We say, we've got to solve these problems. And you don't realize what well, was decisions you made 50, 60 years ago that have brought us to this place. Things you chose to stop believing and, you know... Different sermon. <laughs> um, and so people choose to ignore, people choose to deny, people choose to replace him, replace the creator. But you see how here we are in the, in, all the way over into Romans, 4,000 years after the creation, and uh, Paul says the issue still comes down to what? The creator. The creator. Now, we don't have to go the way, these ways. We don't have to uh, ignore or deny or try to replace. We can instead embrace the truth about the fact that, that there is a creator and what that means in our life. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon says this. He says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And by remember, it isn't like, oh yeah, there's... If remember, it's, it's think about this. Bring this to bear on your life. Um, we use that word in that way. You know, we send our kids out to someone's house when they're, and we say, now don't forget, right? Remember to mind your man, right? So it's, it's the idea of bringing it to bear on your life. Now, a bunch of you here today are saying, oh, in your youth, I've already blown that one. Well, first, those of you who are younger here today, let me tell you, you can make no better decision than to let God you know, have that role in your life of creator and, and, and everything that flows out of that in his word. And you live this way uh, for so many years. How many of you who are older like me would say, I wish I'd done a better job of this when I was young? How many? Okay, young people see that? Do it. You have an opportunity. But here's for the rest of us. We think maybe that doesn't apply to us, but I got news for you. You will never, ever be younger again than you are today. <laughs> True? This is now your youth when you look at yourself for the rest of your life. This applies to you and me. Now, let me encourage you about this. When we say, okay, God, I want you to have this role in my life. You're the creator. Everything that flows with that, all, you know, the, the problems, the sins, and all this kind of stuff. In fact, let me just talk about that for a moment. We see, we get into Romans 1 and all the sin, and we didn't look at all the lists, but all the sins, there are sins of morality, there are sins of, of violence, there are sins of attitude and words, all included, all this whole mess. Because that's the way we are by nature, we need a Savior, don't we? This is what the Creator tells us. You rebelled against me. Your sins have separated me, you from me. If you die in this condition, you will be separated from me forever in hell. But I love you so much. 
I've sent my son into the world. And, and, and he's become a human being. He's lived this perfect and sinless life. And he died on the cross. And as he died on the cross, I, God the Father, the Creator, I put the punishment for his sin, your sins on him. Punishment for the sins of the whole world on him. And he died paying that penalty. And then he rose from the dead. And here's the deal. If you will acknowledge that, yes, that's me. I am the one who was blown up. I have sinned against the holy God. I am separated from him. I am headed for hell. And you will instead believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, what the creator tells us about him, that he really did die for our sins and rise again. And we will say, oh God, I, am, I can't fix this problem. Instead, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and, and accept Jesus' payment for me and my sin. I'm going to receive Christ as Savior. And he says, if we do that, the moment we sincerely come before God like that, he forgives every sin. We don't have to pay for that in eternity. Jesus already bore that cost. And, and he, we have eternal life then when this life is over. We don't go to hell, we go to heaven. And then God moves in. The creator moves in. That's something to think about, huh? He moves into us, the deepest part of us, and begins transforming us uh, in good and powerful ways. And so that's, if you haven't made that decision, you need to make that decision. If you have questions about that decision, you need to talk to somebody about it. Let us help you. You need to settle this issue in your life. Uh, but the challenge is for us to remember the Creator in our days of our youth. We start by receiving Christ as Savior, then we, then we live it out. And when I ask, you know, who would say, wow, I wish I'd done a better job of that. God honors us when we acknowledge him as creator and, and, and follow that through the word and let him have that role in our lives. Uh, Peter talks about this. Peter was persecuted severely for his faith, but he wrote these words in his, his first letter in chapter four. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God Commit their souls to him, to God, in doing good, as to a faithful creator. So whether I'm suffering hardship because I'm following him, or whether I'm experiencing other things that I you know, enjoy much more because I'm following him, whatever, God is a faithful creator. He didn't create us and then say, you're on your own. No, he created us for relationship, and then that got blown out of the water with sin. He provided a way for us to be reconciled to him through Jesus, and he, he continues to do this. He's a faithful, faithful creator. Consider what uh, it says uh, Isaiah in um, Isaiah chapter 40. He says, have you not known, this is God talking, okay? This is God talking. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? Go ahead neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Let's just continue right through it, Mitchell. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Have you ever felt weak? Have you ever felt like you had no strength to deal with? God is a faithful creator. He will give you this. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, our faithful creator, shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And Mitchell, could you do me a favor? Go back to the very first slide in that progression. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the what? He is a faithful creator. He's the one who cares for us. He cares for you more than you do. You think you care for yourself more than God does, and then you, make, you do stupid things that hurt you. God cares more for you even than you do. He's a faithful creator. Okay, go ahead, and if you would, Mitchell, on back to where we were. All right, so let's go to the end of the book. Revelation 22. It's page 1294 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. Revelation 22. The last two verses of the Bible. When God first reveals himself, he reveals himself as creator. Uh, we see at the end of uh, Revelation um, uh, 20, the beginning of 21, that God takes this world, at least this world, probably the universe, and recreates it makes it new, makes it the way it was supposed to be. In Revelation 22, we see a description of this, and it sounds very much like what the Garden of Eden probably was, only, only better, probably. Um, and, and so this is the creator, and, and, and in this passage, it's talking about Jesus as this one. And so we start with the creator, and we're ending with the creator again, Verse 20 and 21, he says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. So that is Jesus talking here. And he says, Amen, even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So here's the blueprint for how we want to respond to our Creator as we go out into this year, okay? And the first one is this, that our faithful Creator always tells us the truth. So build your life on the word. He says here, he who testifies to these things, talking about Jesus, the, the Lord, he's the one who's told us these things. And one of the things he says is, I'm coming quickly. By coming quickly doesn't mean coming soon. That means when I come, I am coming quickly. It's not going to be like, oh, I heard he's coming next week. I guess I better take care of a few things. Maybe I should get saved. No, I come quickly. Okay? It's going to happen just like that. But he who testifies to these things. And what we find is that he is a faithful creator and everything he has testified to us from beginning to end is true. We can count on it. And so I want to challenge you. Build your life on his word. That'd be a great thing for you to say, you know, in 2020, I'm going to build my life on his word. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start reading it more. I'm going to get some help. I'm going to learn. I'm going to build my life on what God says. I'm done building my life on shifting sands, right? So when the storms of life come, my whole life falls apart. I've done that too many times. No more. I'm going to build my life on the word of God. Okay? All right. So then what's the response? It says amen. And amen is this idea of uh, nowadays someone might say truth. That's right. Yes, Lord. 
Even so, come Lord Jesus. So he says, I'm coming. He says, okay, yes, Lord, please do. And so the second uh, thing we want is this. Surrender now to our creator's will and timing for everything that lies ahead. Even so, Lord, what, what you say, that's what I want. I want you to do this. And you don't know where God's will will lead you this year, do you? You don't know where God's will will lead you today. But I tell you what, if you want to experience that will of God working for you and being a positive in your life, you need to surrender to it now. Before it shows up. Whether it's a test of difficult things or it's a test of blessings that's coming, I mean, you need to settle it now. And not just his will, but his timing. <laughs> I know those who were listening couldn't see my face, but it was like, yeah. The timing, right? Submit yourself. Surrender yourself to the Lord in that. Uh, this is how this works. And then finally, verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We need God's grace much, much more than we realize. And so depend fully on our Creator's enabling grace as together we live for Him, right? With Him and for Him. God's enabling grace. And we know we're saved by God's grace. That means I don't do works. I'm saved by grace. And that's all very true. But I think we see through Scripture what I would call God's enabling grace. And here's what it does. It stirs our hearts. It sharpens our minds. It strengthens our resolve. And it shows us the way. That's what God's grace does. You know, he'll stir our hearts and say, yes, I need to do this. And you know, that's God's grace at work in your heart. And when he sharpens your minds, it's understand it. He's giving you understanding. And, and then strengthen your resolve. Sometimes that's what you need, right? God, I need strength here somehow for this. And he shows us the way. And this may be in the weakest areas of our lives, but the Apostle Paul experienced that and said what? God's grace and his strength is shown in what? In my weakness. His grace is sufficient because God is strong enough to handle my weaknesses. And here's the good news. God gives grace to the humble. Do you want it? Do you want to respond to your creator by letting his enabling grace help you to live the life that he intends for you to live? What a great opportunity. What a great choice you have to make today. Father, thank you that you are a faithful creator. Help us to let that concept of you as creator uh, really overshadow our lives in a way that uh, we give you your rightful role and that we benefit, Lord, in all the ways you intend for us to as we yield ourselves to you as a faithful creator. We want to glorify you in this way, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here. We'll begin our... Bible study right at 1130 today.